Joining us in this segment is Superintendent Jennifer Gill, District 186. Uh, good morning, Jennifer. Listening to you yesterday with Jim on the air, you were kind of in the same boat we all were as far as the governor's guidelines go. go. You were getting them about the same time we did. You've had a chance to unpack a little bit of it. Uh, anything else jumping at you that uh, could be problematic for District 186 next year? You know, I think it's just now about everybody that's on my joint task force having a chance to read the article, uh, the 60-page document, I guess, uh, that came out from State Board and, and us all getting together and putting our minds around what it's going to look like. I think one of the biggest challenges for District 186 is that our every single building in our district is different. And we have, um, you know, 33 school sites that we have to consider and analyze against these guidelines and we're just asking a little bit of patience to to make sure we have the time to look through these guidelines apply them to our district and create a plan that really works that i can take to my board of education and then uh, publish to the community masks are going to be required in this uh this new uh, plan for the fall uh in-person teaching uh and those are going to be provided I, but one of the questions i have is how is this going to be enforced and i'm just thinking about you know Listen, I, I had some detentions in middle school. Uh, I knew kids that had in-school suspensions or out-of-school suspensions for a variety of things, everything from being defiant to you know wearing the wrong shirt. Um, how is that going to be handled if a, if a student you know just doesn't wear their mask? Yeah, so it's a new territory for educators as well, and it's something that we'll have to have some conversations around. We want to ensure the safety and well-being of not only the student wearing the mask, but those that are around them. However, we know that we will face those dilemmas that you just described, and we're going to have to have a plan of action. I don't think our intent is to use it as a uh, one more way a student can get in trouble or or have you know a detention or time out of school. I think it's just working with families, explaining uh, that we're just trying to find the you know follow the guidelines that were set in front of us for phase four, and that hoping families can talk to their students about doing this and and uh, help us with that measure as well. We will, of course, always, um, you know, have some disposable masks on hand. We've been very uh, prudent about trying to get as much of the personal protective equipment in ahead of time and do those pre-orders that we can uh, so that we have extras in case somebody leaves their home or a strap breaks or something of that nature. District 186 Superintendent Jennifer Gill is with us on News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. Jennifer, yesterday's guidelines also came with a a little bit, not really a warning, but an advisory to schools that if we do see a rise in the numbers that we're going to go back to Zoom learning. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on how you felt Zoom learning went in the last half of the school year, obviously, here in Springfield, and what tweaks will you be making to it so that it is an option coming forward in 2020-2021 in case you we have to go back to that. Right. I think that's something that we've been working on since really the the onset of, of this pandemic in March is how do we get better at remote learning and how do we learn from lessons that we, we uh, garnered during that time. I think that we will have all, when all the kids do come back and they will come back in some fashion to at least be able to, you know, have computers assigned and learn about the procedures and practices that we want them to utilize um, in case we are to have to go into a remote learning structure again. And that's the time we didn't have 
on the front end of this pandemic. It was really just an overnight, you're at home, um, and we had to bring people back to get their computers. So uh, we are fortunate in District 186 to be able to have a device for every child, and we are you know, also preparing to upgrade some of our technology and refresh some of our older technology so that students do have the very best device in their hand. Um, and then we also learned a lot about connectivity and needing to have hotspots available for families who are not yet connected to the Internet and work alongside our community partners to make sure that uh, we have the best um, Internet capacity for our students to participate in these remote learning activities. Um, I think that students, when they return to school, we are going to be returning to some traditional grading practices, uh, returning to... Um, expectations for attendance and participation on online activities, if that is, um, you know, something that we have to go to in the future. And I think that we're past that stage of we're all getting used to it and that we're settling in a bit, and that expectation is going to be there for students to participate. There's going to be a prohibition of uh, 50 individuals gathering in one space. I'm thinking, uh, you know, assemblies where they bring all the classes together and have like a you know, magic show or presentation or something along those lines. Uh, but also I would see this uh, impacting lunch hour. How is that going to right, be managed? Right. Well, you know, those are the things that are going to have to be a plan for every individual school. I'm going to call upon my administrators here in the coming days to think creatively. Some of our smaller elementary schools sort of have a cafeteria and a gym combo. And, you know, those are going to be very difficult situations. I think we're going to have to see um, creative eating spaces around the building, uh, maybe just not in your traditional cafeteria setting that we're used to. Um, obviously, we're going to have to spread out uh, cafeteria tables and the seating at those tables as well. And we will follow all the guidelines we need to to make sure that we um, you know, follow the rules that are put forth in, in phase four. Um, but I think definitely a no to some of those large group activities that you discussed. And I do believe that IHSA uh, is going to issue some guidelines about spectators at, at sporting events and how we spread those out depending on whether it's an indoor athletic event or an outdoor athletic event. Yeah, exactly. I, that that kind of led to my next question because I don't know what that exactly looks like if if we can only have gatherings of fifty or or, or have people spaced out a little bit. You know, obviously that's going to cause a problem with people wanting to watch the game standing in areas. You know that that they can't get into the uh, stadium at. Uh, has there been much guidance from the IHSA other than what uh, we've seen so far? We've we've seen some of their phase two uh, guidelines, and I'm sure that they will be issu issuing those this week. Uh, officially, if they haven't already this morning, uh, for our athletic directors and, and administrators to really uh, pour through and start to create some plans. Thank heavens we have a little bit of time uh, to put all of these things in place before those events happen. But I do believe it will very, very much depend on the sport, um, how much spectators can spread out, um, how much they can, um, you know, have capacity in a in a, a bleacher set. Um, so once again, those are going to be very specific uh, to the individual field where somebody's participating and then also the type of event that's being, uh, being held. District 186 Superintendent Jennifer Gill, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. No, thank you.